1: Mary Tanucci has always believed that everyone has an important story to tell. She has always believed that everyone wants to be seen, heard, and understood. Mary has always believed that we are all creative in some way. She has always believed that having an outlet for creativity, a place to share our stories, and being heard are healing. She also has always believed that there is an important link between our stories being told and heard and having access to a creative means of expression to share these stories. Mary designed The Poetry Lab with these beliefs in mind. Valeria interviews Mary Tanucci. She is the author of The Poetry Lab, a curriculum guide for facilitators, employing the use of group work, writing circles, and the therapeutic use of poetry with youth. Mary Tanucci is also a clinical social worker in private practice and a social work professor. She teaches in the graduate program at Walden University in the Barbara Solomon School of Social Work. Her private practice, which she has named Think in Possibilities, is based in St. Paul, Minnesota. There, she provides clinical supervision for social workers who are pursuing their next level of licensure in the social work profession and coaching for clients who are seeking support for personal and professional development. Her work is focused on supporting the personal growth professional development, and transformation of all of her students and clients. Each facet of Mary's work—clinical social work, group work, coaching, supervision, training, consultation, and teaching—is informed and fueled by attitudes of hope, creativity, and inspiration. In her work, she integrates her love of poetry and journaling as a healing practice. Her belief in the principles of positive psychology to support emotional health and a variety of creative practices that support personal growth, professional development, self-care, and overall well-being. In 2004, Mary developed the Poetry Lab, an arts and wellness-based program serving adolescents in St. Paul Public Schools. The Poetry Lab is a group work model that employs the therapeutic use of poetry and spoken word performance to support the social and emotional health of youth. Mary wrote the Poetry Lab curriculum and trained social workers, educators, and other mental health providers how to initiate and facilitate poetry lab groups in their schools and communities. Meet Mary at thinkimpossibilities.com. Here's the interview with Mary Tanucci.
0: In your
2: own words, who is Mary Tanucci? Oh, in my own words, uh, what I'm focused on now, when I think about who am I, I'm focused pretty um, directly in my professional identity, who I am. Um, so when I think about that, I think I am a social work educator, a social work professor, university professor, um, a trainer, a clinical supervisor, a coach, and a mentor. Um, all things related to supporting social workers, um, developing social workers. Um, I love working with um, uh, new graduates out of a graduate program in social work um, and supporting their early professional development. So all things educator, teacher, coach. That, that's what comes to mind when I think about myself right now. So I have a question
0: for you regarding what you do and how you do These days, how did you come to discover this purpose, this passion or this
2: mission in your life? I think when I got out of my undergraduate program in social work, I have I have three degrees in social work, an undergraduate degree, a master's degree and a doctorate, all things in social work. Um, Early on in my professional roles as a social worker, I always hosted social work interns and as a social worker, um, you, in order to get your social work degrees, you have to do internships. And so, when when we get out in the field and have our own practice, a lot of times social workers give back to the profession by hosting social work interns in the same way that we were hosted in through our education. So my whole career, which began in 1988, I've always hosted interns, and I loved that role of. Again, encouraging, supporting, teaching, coaching, training new social workers to be a social worker. And um, so in uh, early 2000s, I opened my business that I provided continued training and training opportunities for social workers on a lot of topics. um, And then opened up my doors to provide clinical supervision to those social workers who maybe work in an agency that doesn't provide that clinical social work um, supervision and as social workers early in the profession you have to get 200 hours of clinical supervision in order to maintain your license and to um, get the next level of licensure so uh, while it's a requirement not every agency provides it so then people have to find outside supervisors like myself And so um, in addition to providing and hosting internship supervision, I've started um, quite a while ago now, started providing that clinical supervision to those um, people who are kind of in a jam when they get out of school and they get their first job and then their employer doesn't provide supervision. I provide it for them.
0: I have a question for another open question about
2: what is to be a social worker? Like, what is the meaning of that from your perspective? Well, the roots of our profession are really about serving the poor and um, those who are marginalized in society. Um, Our profession um, really grew into itself in the early 1900s. And you might know the name Jane Addams and the Settlement House Movement and really um, helping new immigrants learn the language and be acclimated to the United States Um, and there really, there really was a call to service. And um, over time, the profession has moved, I think, in some ways away from our roots about serving the poor and has been more of a focus on mental health and, you know, frankly, becoming therapists. And again, nothing wrong with that. But um, our roots of our profession really are anchored in human um, dignity and worth really respecting the the idea of service and of being of help to those in need. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I have, that's how I was, when I came through my undergraduate degree in social work, there was a real emphasis on that um, and the origins of that, including that which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, the notion of group work. One could get a master's degree in a concentration in group work in social work years ago. And over time, that's sort of fallen out of favor. And yet it is the roots of social work, really creating community and opportunities for people to be connected and have a place of belonging. Um, and the work of the Poetry Lab is rooted in group work. And my whole professional life, group work has been a central aspect of my social work practice. Um and I don't see a lot of that now because people who go through an undergraduate degree or a social work master's degree, they don't have um concentrated uh coursework on group work as a method of practice. So they're again thinking about working with individuals. Um and my work with the poetry lab in the school system, working with middle school and high school age students. Everything I did with young people was in the context of group work, fostering community, fostering a sense of connectedness, fostering a sense of mastery, that they had something to offer, that they were good at something. And in this case, um, poetry and spoken word. Um, So... Those are some of my thoughts about social work as a profession.
0: I love it all. I love the way you speak about it to bringing back the origin, the spirit of what is to be a social worker, which I did know. Wow, community, that's so important. Another question that came to me when I was reading about you and what you do these days, you talk about personal growth. That's one of the aspects or the elements which will help others. The question is, how do you define personal empowerment, what does it look like when we we are there if there's a destination for it?
2: Um, <clears throat> I think similar to how we define personal empowerment, um, it is in alignment with um, my work in the poetry lab in that I believe that every person, adult or child or young person, needs a place where they are seen, heard, and understood. And that empowerment begins there. And when we don't have a place where we're seen, heard, and understood, we really do feel quite powerless. Excuse my frog in my throat. Um, And I think the Poetry Lab is rooted in group work, which is everything to do with creating a creative, um, safe space and vehicle through which clients, and in this case, young people, can be seen, heard, and understood and have a safe place to express their understanding of themselves. And again, that feels powerful when we have a voice. So
0: true. You make me think about relationships and how I have learned so much from being around people, much mm-hmm. more than my own, Although I love being alone, too, and uh, meditating and all that. But the most powerful lessons that I have learned, they came from
2: being around people. So that makes so much sense. Right. We talk so much about um, trauma happens very often in the context of some kind of relationship. Yeah. yeah. And also healing happens Mm, in
0: relationship. Yes. Ah, beautifully said <laughs> yes yeah oh my god yeah, I love that so true what a beautiful reflection true one to my heart yes <laughs> also another open question is what is your vision for social justice
2: it keeps coming back to that notion of voice and choice place connectedness um, when any one of us is isolated disconnected feels as though we have no choice, feels as though our voice doesn't matter, that is injustice. And so if we can counter that, all of those ideas with the opposite, um, I think we see a movement towards um, towards justice. A lot of the
0: work I do personally is spiritual work. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating to see how, what you speak about, how you define and describe social justice and what is to be a social worker. It kind of goes back to that idea of connectivity, of connection, of feeling loved enough to be ourselves. That's Mm. what it is. So I have tried in my life, of course, to be loved by others and kind of sustain the warm feeling of that I belong and that and I, and I matter. But I did find a kind of love that I call self-love, which is self-value, mm-hmm. self-acceptance, that created a beautiful space within myself to not just love and accept myself, but open up to others too. So it's much easier for me to love others and accept others when I have done the work myself.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's spiritual to me. Do you have any spiritual practices or belief systems
2: mary um i most certainly believe in something greater than myself i happen to be right now um sitting at my lake place i i live in the city but um have a place where we can go a couple hours north in minnesota and um be in nature and be at the water and for me water is all things spiritual um being outside at the lake is all things spiritual um you really get a sense of um I don't know. In some ways, you know, we have, we take up a lot of space in this universe, and in other ways, we're just a speck. And when we're near the water, big body of water, when we're near or in the in nature, um, we really kind of balance those two ideas that I matter and I'm of value, but I'm also just a speck. That there's so much more that's um, available to us in terms of finding our way in the world. It's beautiful
0: that you mentioned nature. There's something about nature that um, brings us closer to this peaceful place that is already in us. That's incredible how it's almost like a reflection, it seems to me. Mm -hmm. It reflects back something in us that is divine, per se. Mm -hmm. So two more questions, the opening questions. What do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? To be seen, heard, and understood. (laughs) And to be connected. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love how consistent your message is too. It's true, so true to you that you would answer all questions with that (laughs) answer. (laughs) And it would be fine. (laughs) Uh, And another question I have, the last one, is
2: what are the obstacles to healing from your perspective? Oh, you think about these last two years with the pandemic and how it's Um, removed us from the natural supports that exist when we move around in community. Um, And people had to work really, really hard to find their way to um, not be, well, to not be entirely isolated from the dailiness that we had, I think, prior to the pandemic taken for granted. The, the daily ways that we would interact with people. I saw a beautiful poem. It was something about um, just noting the isolation that we were all feeling during the pandemic and how simple um, someone on the train saying to you, I like your hat. Would you like to sit here? Or some you know mundane or what would have been a mundane interaction with another human being we are so hungry for um, now, and I think we've all had to really reconsider the how important those everyday interactions are mm. as we move around in the community mm-hmm. um when that was taken away from us.
0: How's the situation now, Mary, where you live? Is
2: that a bit better? Um, it is, you know, I, I live in Minnesota, and so we don't have um the beautiful outdoor opportunities that other parts of the country have. Um, so we're we're waiting on um, warmer weather. It's May 31st, and it's today is like 54 degrees in Minnesota. Um, we haven't really had much of a warm spring or summer to speak of yet, but it will he- It helps you know, the first two springs of the pandemic and the first two falls of the pandemic. We had very late, excuse me, very early and warm springs and very late and warm falls. So we were able to be outside um, for a good amount of the year. Well, this spring, we haven't been able to be outside very easily. So it's I'm hungry to be able to be out in the world because there is a, you know, a big, again, surge with COVID. And so being in indoor spaces isn't very, I don't know, comfortable. So you wrote
0: the guide, the Poetry Lab, a curriculum guide for facilitators employing the use of group work, writing circles, and the therapeutic use of poetry with youth. Talk to me for a moment about... um, why did you structure the guide the way you did? I love mm-hmm. the, the graphics. It's fun to look at it. And I love the space to express ourselves, so, uh, uh, the students, not the participants. It's just beautifully designed. So talk to me for a moment about that and also the main purpose of your work, which yeah. you will say that again.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I initiated the poetry lab in um, 2004, actually, in the St. Paul Public Schools. I was a school social worker at the time and was working with middle school and high school-age students who were in special education programs because they had significant behavioral challenges while at school. And um, I was convinced that, back to that my philosophy, (laughs) that when when young people are seen, heard, and understood, very likely they can... um, (laughs) slow down and probably have more behavioral success and in oftentimes in special education programs in the school systems it's very much about a behavioral approach like you know reward systems and sticker charts and trying to control essentially young people's behavior in that sort of behavioral model and i think and thought that if we gave kids <laughs> A safe container called a group or a writing circle. And if we gave kids guided um, writing prompts um, that had some meaning, and if we gave kids a space where they could tell their stories, learn about themselves and learn about each other, very likely their behaviors would improve. And in fact, that's what happened. Uh, young people with really significant behaviors at school that interrupted their abilities to be successful at school. Um, When they came to the poetry lab once a week for an hour, um, and we created an environment that begins with this statement, we always began our groups with the opening statement, everyone in the circle is equal, no one's voice is more important than anyone else's. Everyone in the circle is a teacher. Everyone in the circle is a student. Everyone has his or her turn to speak. When someone is speaking, all others listen. The circle is sacred and special." When we gave kids that context and set up um, guidelines, expectations, group norms, where people knew that respect was the ticket, was the key, And that there was no way that you could do it wrong. I didn't care how kids spelled things. Um, Poems don't have to rhyme. Um, That they never had to read out loud if they didn't want to. And that there would always be a space to read out loud if they wanted to. And they would be guaranteed that the only thing the listeners would say was something respectful about what they liked about what the student wrote or said or how they said it. And um, with guided prompts that were really um, built on an arc that began with all things related to themselves. Um, and when the group became more connected and cohesive and safe, we would open our writing prompts to ideas related to community you know asking a teenager to look up from themselves and look around you know who who came before you who are your people who's in your neighborhood and then when the group became even more cohesive be ready to hold more challenging prompts about race class sexuality current events um and then always towards the end of the group experience after like 8 to 10 or excuse me 8 to 12 weeks we would always be writing about future and hope. So that the prompts were guided and deliberate on that arc of self to community, to future hope. Um, What kids would write, what kids would share, what kids would learn about one another was just um, powerful. And so again, I started that program in 2004 and I ran it in three iterations in St. Paul schools for nine years. And it lived two years beyond me, and then the school district cut the funding. Um, so I've had, I've had, I never wrote it down. I never wrote down um, that model. And I'm just a really strong believer in the power of um, poetry, the power of deliberate therapeutic use of things like music, dance, drama, literature, poetry, spoken word um, as a healing tool and as a tool that would help young people be successful in the school environment. And frankly, once kids, you know, I always say to my folks that I train on this model, if you give a kid a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper and ask them to tell you about their lives, well, you better better be ready because they will. And um, can you hold their stories and can you hold their stories in a way that ensures their safety and ensures um your support to help them grow emotionally and socially as the intention of the poetry lab is all about is supporting young people's social and emotional health and well-being um so i was excited finally to um sit down with a friend of mine who helped me dramatically put this 150-page guide together, and I'm going to be hosting some live trainings and some hopefully on-demand webinar trainings to train facilitators to implement this model in their school systems or their communities. Mm -hmm. Um, That's um, kind of where I'm headed at this point, and I'm excited to have this uh, guide real (laughs) it exists now Ah, yes it does (laughs) i love your work
0: and i love your enthusiasm it can be felt in this beautiful passion to help others Mm. especially those who really need Mm. yeah i see you coming from that place it's so beautiful Mm -hmm. thank you mary talk to me for a moment about your own experience healing experience with poetry Mm -hmm. and journaling
2: Mm -hmm. so you asked me how did this begin and i said i started the program in 2004 but it came directly out of my own experience um in I've always written in a journal as a way to feel better since I was 13 and um one time in 1998 I think I was 33 years old or something like that in my journal out popped a poem and it surprised me and I loved it and I started to I it just opened up my love for learning about poetry, which was new to me. And so then at the same time, I was learning about spoken word poetry and really seeing the stories of marginalized communities shine through those stories of spoken word poetry. And so about in 2000, I took a sabbatical from St. Paul schools and spent the year studying and practicing what it would mean to merge my new love of poetry and my experience with how healing that was for me. Um, with my social work practice and um, focused on the kids that I was working with at the time, which were, um, I was working in St. Paul Public Schools, which is a a relatively large urban school district. Most of the kids in the special education programs that I served were African-American young men. And um, I just knew that my own experience with writing as a way to manage my emotional health to understand myself, to heal, poetry, um, spoken word poetry, hearing the stories of our other marginalized lives um, with a light shine toward growth and healing and hope um, would, would work. And so after that experience in 1998, I spent a couple of years kind of developing my ideas to merge poetry, spoken word, writing, journal writing, with my social work practice in a very intentional way, all rooted in my love of group work and my belief in how do we create communities for young people that very often are on the outside. That is also another powerful element of your
0: work that started with you so it's uh, it felt true to you and then you pass that on to others because that's right. how powerful you felt the effects mm-hmm. of what you mm-hmm. do I have heard read somewhere I'm not sure if it was said here on the podcast about healing the last stage something like the last stage of healing is finding meaning does it resonate with you this idea this statement
2: yeah um, I have- a little different way of thinking about it. But um, when I was in my doctoral program, we were asked to write our teaching philosophy. And I, many of us in the cohort, were we all were already teaching in higher education and social work. And none of us could very easily or adeptly articulate what our teaching philosophy was. And when I thought about who I was as an educator in, the, in higher education, I remember thinking well, I never use a PowerPoint and I never do a lecture in my school. I must not be a very great teacher. But as I learned about and found some language to talk about who I am as an educator and my philosophical underpinnings about what I think works, um, it, I found that, huh, I guess I have a, there's a word for who I am as an educator, and that is a constructivist. I'm a person who really thinks that we learn best when we can make meaning out of the material together. So as an instructor, if you walked by my classroom, you would see a lot of conversation between me and my students, that I would value their prior knowledge, that we would figure out and make meaning and do the learning together. Well, in in, in social work and in healing and in mental health, it's the same. If you walked by my office, if I were a therapist, you would see a whole lot of conversation because I believe very much that healing and what my client needs is a space and a relationship in a container um, to make meaning of their stories, of their life experiences, of their challenges, of their um, potential. And I think the Poetry Lab is, is that ongoing conversation with young people. It very much
0: i mean from my perspective everything that i have listened from you and read is such a beautiful work and it's um one that to me really sounds resonates spiritual has to do with Mm. connectivity Mm -hmm. and coming from the heart. So I absolutely love what you do and how you do it and how you communicate the message. It's very clear, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. And um, let me, I want to mention some of the um, parts of your book that caught my attention. I love the snapshots. They help us to see the big picture or uh, the instructors would be able to see that. So that's really helpful, beautifully put together. And of course, you mentioned earlier the uh, Poetry Lab's primary goals. I love them all, especially the one about empowerment and the Mm -hmm. communication. It's um, something that I believe in, too. And then the guidelines you mentioned earlier, and in one part of your book, or maybe perhaps more, you talk about yeah. Of course, the first one being respectful, and then the second one, uh, don't worry about spelling your grammar. Just write, create from your heart. Mm-hmm. That caught my attention immediately mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you use that word. So let's see. There's something else. The part two stages of group development: uh, beginning, mm-hmm. middle, end. You shared two poems that were Mm -hmm. written by students during the first stage of the group. And then it's called What Matters to Me, that was Mm -hmm. by a 10th grade Poetry Lab participant. And then The Inside, Outside, I mean,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: by an 8th grade Poetry Lab participant. It kind of stopped me for a moment. And it stopped me now even, just looking at it. How powerful it is. So true to give space to not just young people, I think everyone, uh, us adults too, we all need that. It's interesting how we do need to be heard, understood, seen. And that reflects that powerfully when I read those samples. Mm -hmm. Do you have them in front of
2: you? I do. Oh, wonderful if you could read them. (laughs) Sure. Here's the first one by the 10th grader. What matters to me? What matters to me is home, family, religion. And the truth is, That I'm more than what I appear to be, but the problem is no one ever looks to see. Therefore, how will you ever get to know me? It gives them goosebumps. (laughs) I know. And Uh, the thing about these poems with young people, you know, the group is usually forty-five minutes to an hour long during school, and um, I don't give very long. I don't give a very long period of time for kids to write. I give the prompt. I give them a sample, and we talk a little bit, and then we give maybe five, six minutes for kids to write um, because we try to get through two or three writing prompts each session. And so kids come out with this, you know, five minutes. I mean, and to me, it just confirms when you ask a kid, tell me about your life. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what's on your heart. They will. Kids are hungry to be heard. And for the kids that I was working with, um, they weren't often seen in a positive light. They were seen as a behavioral challenge or they were seen as the kid always getting in trouble. And now when they come to the poetry lab, they now get to be seen as the kid who can rhyme like no other or the kid who always keeps it real with the things that they write, the kid who's most honest. Um, And that's a great example of that. There's something about honesty. I think some
0: people call authenticity, that mm-hmm. children are so good at it. <laughs> we strive to be like that as an adult. We we'll go back <laughs> and return to that. But children, this, yeah,
2: it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And then the second one, Mary, if you could. Yes, this one by an eighth grader. Inside, outside. On the outside, I'm hyper and dangerous. On the inside, I'm scared and calm. On the outside, I'm argumentative. On the inside, I want to leave it alone. Sometimes the inside wants to come out when the outside's acting up. That's why I do poetry, to release the inside.
0: There's something that has been said about poetry that you probably have heard about. It's uh, perhaps the only creative way <laughs> to express the
2: truth without hurting others. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, With with such few words, um, you know, which with such few words, so much can be. It almost communicates directly
0: to that place in us that is open, that almost bypasses the judgmental mind or the rational mind in a way that is always looking for something right and wrong, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. goes straight to this. Mm -hmm. I call the divine, but um, we can call it in. Let's say uh, that. The heart to the heart space that's all about mm-hmm. love and connection there's something mm-hmm. about poetry that really connects and communicates directly to the heart I love part mm-hmm. four, getting started where you have the check-in questions those questions called yeah talk yes. to me for a moment about that I love those questions the four
2: types um just the um the idea of structuring a simple, single hour-long group session can be thought of in those really basic beginning, middle end stages of group. Rituals are super important to set the stage and set the tone for what are we going to do together for the next hour um, for, you know, that you have six kids in the room and they've come from you know three different classrooms to come to group. You have to allow a moment, a reason, a space, a good question to allow kids to all get in the room at the same time and get their heads around the same. Oh, yeah, we're here at the Poetry Lab. We're going to be doing some writing here together and I can let go of whatever I just left from math class. Um, So the check-in questions serve that purpose of an opening ritual. Sometimes we will use the opening statement that I read earlier. Um, Maybe we start there. Or we ring a bell and we ask kids just to close their eyes and raise their hand when they can hear the end of the sound, um, just as a chance to get people grounded and settled. Ask kids to take three deep breaths and then ask a check-in question. Um, Sometimes they're very deliberate, like, what's the best thing that happened to you since you were at the lab last week? Or they're very deliberate to coach and support kids to remember to use writing as a, coping, a healthy coping strategy. So I might ask, um, how many times did you write in your journal in the last week since we saw you at the poetry lab? Or did you write a poem since we saw each other last at the poetry lab? Reminding them that this experience is about teaching kids new and healthy ways to cope with life's challenges, that they have a choice that i always would say to kids i like thinking about you on a friday night with your journal or with your you know three best friends in the garage you know working on that hip-hop dance thing you do because i like knowing that you're making those choices instead of running the streets you're you know so the the opening ritual prompts uh, opening check-in questions and closing check-in questions can serve as that sort of bookend, anchors, rituals. But they can also serve as reminders about what are we doing here. Um, so, and sometimes it's just fun to check in with. If you were the weather, what's your forecast today? How are you feeling about coming to group today? Um, do you do you use gel or paste toothpaste? You know, and just again, getting kids, everybody in the same room at the same time, thinking about this. Uh, I have to thing. say it again that I
0: absolutely love, 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 and I will continue with love forever <laughs> the Poetry Lab opening statement. <laughs> that is just, I want to add this to the intro of this episode. Because I have something else there that mm. caught my attention, but I think I will have that there too, if you don't mind. <laughs> and okay. then, we're almost at the end. I want to mention the um, what you said earlier, because I had here, is, uh, it caught my attention also, the uh, the samples, part five, I believe, uh, samples and examples. And then you have the poetry yeah. prompt guide and the themes, yeah, self and then community, family, and then reflection, future, and hope. They sound very mindful, it's just very inspiring to see those words, those themes under also under um, an unpacking <laughs> stages and an educational mm-hmm. setting mm-hmm. too, being passed on. So, and I love the, um, under, I think the theme self, you have the recipe for me prompt. Oh, I love <laughs> those questions because they are just <laughs> profound. And you have actually, at the beginning of the guide, I think you have a the recipe for me, sample from one of your students, two of the participants. So,
2: talk to me about yes. the
0: inspiration for that. I love the recipe for me; it's just
2: beautiful. Yeah, that notion of writing, yeah, that notion of writing um, the beginning prompts of the, you know, again call it a eight to twelve week group experience where kids come together once a week um, to participate. The early prompts, I'm just convinced that for a lot of young people, um, they they know themselves best and they are their own best experts. So any prompts that we can create that give them a space and a chance to talk about themselves is um, likely pretty successful because kids can do that. Kids know who they are and then giving them creative ways to express it. The recipe for me is one of those examples. Um wanted to say, um, this poetry lab curriculum guide for facilitators is, you know, it's really anchored in the group stages and it gives a lot of great examples and a lot of really excellent, um, prompts for, um, uh, for them to use in their own groups. But I will say, and will convey this when I do trainings live is for me, In some ways, the most fun for me as I developed this work was generating, knowing who my kids were in any given group, and then finding and being on the hunt for what was going to be the prompt, what was going to be the poem, what was going to be the song that was going to be so apropos or perfect for this week's group. I would be driving to work and I would have a plan for what I was going to do in group that day, but something would come on the radio and I'd think, nope, I need to use that song today for the writing prompt because that's perfect. Or there'll be a current event that's really important for us to make space to talk about and to write about. Um, So for me, I really want to encourage facilitators to use this guide as an anchor. You have everything you need here to run a group, but you would be wise to really know who your kids are and what prompts will speak to them the most. And then have fun finding those poems. You know, doing your, your reading about um, or your viewing pleasure on, um, on the internet about finding some amazing spoken word poet. They will blow your mind and then bring those forward to young people. I love to how open them. you are to this
0: idea of being a guide but also letting whoever is being guided to guide themselves.
2: <laughs> and being making sure the facilitator is really present to who's sitting in the room and knowing, knowing those kids' stories and learning those kids' stories so that all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, I need to find an amazing poem about grief because three kids in my group are really grieving something, you know? And so then do your homework about finding some poet that mm-hmm. will really speak to them. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds
0: to me like the work of um, communication, effective communication, which has to do a lot with listening. Mm -hmm. Although we are not speaking, Mm -hmm. but listening and paying attention is very important. Mm -hmm. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, Mary. But before that, would you like to add anything else that we left unsaid or read a passage in your book, in
2: your guide? Um, Maybe I'll just read this first paragraph I'm saying, in the history of the poetry lab i think it's really the anchor of the whole thing i've always believed that everyone has an important story to tell i have always believed that everyone wants to be seen heard and understood i have always believed that we are all creative in some sort of way i have always believed that having an outlet for creativity a place to share our stories and being heard are healing Finally, I've always believed that there is an important link between our stories being told and heard and having access to a creative means of expression to share these stories. I designed the Poetry Lab with these you beliefs in mind. You picked the
0: same passage that I picked. <laughs> That's part of <laughs> the intro, isn't it? Interesting. I felt the same way, like this says it all. Her intention speaks from the heart. Yeah, and I have that. I'm glad you brought this up again. It's beautiful to hear. So my last question for you is what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die?
2: Mm, Being inspired by music or poetry would be one. Being inspired by being uh, near the water, the lake, the nature would be the other um the love of a pet i got my dog we i noticed on facebook today a picture popped up seven years ago we got daisy our uh, terrier mix so the love of a pet the love of nature the love of water and the love of a good i love them all and, and so i do
0: understand the love for pets too right there's something about them isn't it interesting they it's unconditional love i think that's what it is We can be seen Mm -hmm. through their eyes with no filters. (laughs) It's (laughs) like nature. How beautiful. Thank you so much again, Mary, for being you exactly the way you are, doing this beautiful work of wisdom and to me, spiritual wisdom. I talked to you before, we had a conversation, I think a year Mm -hmm. ago, and that I felt the same way. That's interesting how. We never forget the way the way people make us mm-hmm. feel. That's what it is. It has been said before. I don't know who said that, but it's so true, isn't it? When it connects to the heart, that's it. It can never be forgotten. So thank you so much again for being you and for doing what you do.
2: Thank you very much for and having us. Before we platform. say goodbye,
0: where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects?
2: My website is think, In possibilities
0: wonderful I'll have the link on your podcast profile and I'll also have the link to the guide the Amazon link and also another link you sent me I have all of them on your podcast profile page thank you so much again Mary and we'll talk soon bye for now thank
2: you
1: thank you for listening to learn more about Mary Tanucci and her work please visit thinkimpossibilities.com. The Poetry Lab Curriculum Guide is now available on Amazon. The direct link can be found on Mary's podcast page. The Poetry Lab Curriculum Guide is also available as a digital download at our website, thinkimpossibilities.com backslash product backslash employing dash the dash therapeutic dash use dash of poetry dash with dash youth backslash.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.